So hi, I'm Ivy. I'm one of the co-founders of Betacamp, which is a high school enrichment program in business technology and entrepreneurship. So during our school year program, which is 12 weeks and summer program, which is six weeks, we help teens build a startup from the ground up that's revenue generating and monetizable. And we use that as a means to teach a lot of other skills, such as negotiations, rejection training, leadership, teamwork, um, and all the skills that we hope um, teens can take out into the world and be extremely successful no matter which industry and career that they choose. Um, we started this, my co-founder and I, we've mm -hmm. known each other since we were in middle school and we went to high school together, university together, and then she went on to um, the traditional business service world. She's a management consultant at Bain while mm -hmm. I went to Silicon Valley and worked in tech. But coming together five years after graduating from university, we realized that the troubles and problems that we also experienced in high school were still going on for today's teens, which is not having enough guidance in understanding what was possible for them later on. Um, and we weren't really sure why we learned so many skills, like how to work in teams or remote teams, how to negotiate salary or how to have the appropriate money mindset or um, how to look at a problem from both a macro as well as micro level these things are things that we wish that we had learned in high school and are still not being taught. So that kind of threw us into a path of why don't we try to do this for high school students. It was actually quite an opportune moment because as COVID was happening, a lot of other, um, I would say, competitor programs or programs that were for enrichment purposes that I had taken part of, like I'm a Shad alum, for example, mm -hmm. were either canceled or struggling to turn their program fully virtual to the same extent. So we decided to build a program that was made to be virtual. Um, so we're not taking an offline program online. We're just basing it completely online. And therefore, we launched in May 2020. Um, we had a really successful first cohort, really successful successful second cohort. So then I guess we're just going to keep on going and um, continue improving the program. That sounds really amazing. So for someone who would love to learn more about Betacamp or is kind of a prospective beta camper, how would you describe your program in just a couple of words to kind of really get them interested? And what are some kinds of projects that you guys have done that have like kind of stood out or you think or would work really well in the long term or for the future? Yeah, so I think what makes Beta Camp stand out, um, I, I would say our teaching method is very uh, interesting. So the first, when, when someone enters camp, um, we first teach the fundamentals of business tech and entrepreneurship. So if you're interested in any of these topics, Beta Camp could be for you. Um, we have a proprietary student portal full of in-house content, jam-packed modules that are released weekly in bite-sized chunks. So we know that teens today really like TikTok and Reels, shorter attention span, like really fast. Mm -hmm fast-paced um, information given to them. So all of our videos are between two minutes and max 15 minutes, but I would say most sit in the seven minute range. Mm -hmm. So you can learn MBA level content from Silicon Valley incubators and top MBAs like Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton, all through these bite-sized content takes that we created ourselves. And then when you learn these fundamentals, you get to practice them in real world challenges, as well as workshops that are run live with top executives and CEOs um, coming from top companies like Google, Airbnb, Uber, DoorDash, Skip the Dishes, et cetera, from Silicon Valley, as well as Wall Street. They'll come with a case uh, or with a problem set, and then students get to apply the concepts they just learned and pretty much consult uh, for this company on what they should do next. And then now that they've practiced these skills, they get to implement it directly into building their own startup. And so every week, let's say week three, we teach 
students' customer research? How do you structure a survey? How do you actually go get survey results? How do you do online and offline research? Then over the weekend, we would have a company challenge where the CEO, last time it was Stadium Live, came in and invited students to a Discord channel. And they would get to apply the concept of understanding who's in this Discord channel, what the customer persona is. And then the following week, they would do customer research themselves uh, for their startup. All right. So with your program being, I guess, entirely virtual and kind of probably like never to shift to kind of like an in-person thing, what's the weirdest way that you've tried to engage students? I noticed that you've mentioned things like, oh, the videos are short, but um, what is kind of some of the most unique kind of ways that you've tried to approach virtual learning with? Mm, Unique, Hmm. things that others don't use. So, I mean, we use a whole series of different methods. So everything that we take, we take from remote work instead of remote learning, just because remote learning is still so new. Um, So for example, uh, what my favorite thing is about virtual learning is whiteboarding um, through (laughs) virtual means, because in offline, you just have a whiteboard, you have a marker and a brush, and then you're kind of all surrounding this one whiteboard. But tools like Miro and Mural online. Um, highly recommend you guys check this out. We use this almost every workshop with teams. Everyone comes on and you can have different elements that you can move around. You can stick on sticky notes um, and then delete and change and shuffle them um, mm-hmm. into different groups. You can set timers for like fast brainstorm sessions or timed activities. You can vote. So let's say you have a bunch of different ideas and everyone can get two votes and they can vote uh-huh. during a a timed frame. Um, you can put videos there. People use this for design work. You can mock up a whole website on it um, without any artistic skills. <laughs> you can copy over photos, etc. So I think that is actually really, really valuable and actually much more effective than an offline experience. Okay. So it's kind of like kind of an upgraded version of like Google Jamboard. So it's like, instead of just sticky notes, you can have a much more interactive session with your students, correct? Yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot more features and facilitators can come in as well. So um, if you want to take someone along with you, okay, let's say you mapped out a workflow and a facilitator comes in, they can take over the board and zoom in so that everyone sees the screen instead of everyone trying to find wherever the text is. So things like that makes the user experience just a lot better. All right, so what educational pathways or opportunities or what have you pers- personally gone through that have kind of you've taken in and kind of carried over to beta camp because I think you and both your co-founder have had like you've gone through I guess university middle school and just gone through these entire journeys together so what kind of experiences that have you specifically taken and put into beta camp to make sure that for example high, high schoolers or kind of I guess your campers also learn along um, the way? so what we wanted to capture was this community aspect and then turn these lectures more actionable Mm. and way more interactive. So we don't have any lectures where the students are just sitting and listening. Um, Everything is how we tell our camp counselors who are the executives that come in. We're like, for every 20 minutes of lectures, we need 10 minutes of interactive activity. So we break out into breakout rooms once at least every 30 minutes um, using tools like Miro, for example, to do um, some kind of interactive activity to keep people awake. (laughs) And then we make it really, really, um, like we we narrow down a lot of the knowledge because building a startup, there's like unending information out there and advice that you can take. So we spent a lot of time thinking of what is the most important piece of information to give right now? What is most necessary? So we take out all the fluff and things that are not required. And before every lecture, we also emphasize, this is the reason why you're learning this. This is what we want you to get out of it. And then at the end, we always summarize as well. Based on this, this is what you're gonna take away into your own startup. And we find that this is what engages students um, a lot more. One other thing that 
really changed my life was the summer after my second year university. So I was 19. I participated in a Queens accelerator incubator. (laughs) I don't remember what it's called now because it's changed. I was in the second cohort. Um, So at that time it was called QCSI. Basically you're, you actually get paid um, to participate in this program. They're actually really selective. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like an investment. So every university student that goes in um, gets, I think it was 7,000 or Mm $9,000. And then you form teams of four or five, and you try to launch a startup. And then they also provide weekly lectures. You are mostly working on your startup. They provide a workspace, Mm -hmm. um, a lab, if you want to do more like hardware related testing. Um, And then you interact interdisciplinary with people. And through that process, I, I was only in second year, but I teamed up with a fourth year, like new grad who was from the computer science department. And we built a health tech startup. And within eight months, we actually sold it to a rheumatology clinic. But during that experience, because I was actually responsible for something myself, and I was actually trying to make something happen, that was the biggest learning experience of my life. And that really changed my life. Because number one, I discovered what I was passionate about. I really like talking to customers. I like bringing customer um, insights into more product development. So that's what I enjoy doing that determined what I wanted to choose later on as a career. Mm-hmm. I decided that, okay, one day I definitely want to be an entrepreneur still. And so right out of university, I didn't recruit through any of the Queens Commerce Career Center, um, all the companies that came in. I didn't do any recruiting with them. I knew I wanted to move down to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to like very courageously just move <laughs> to Silicon Valley after graduating without a job, right? Because to work for an early stage startup, they can't predict eight months from now what kind of people they'll need. So they don't hire in September. So not like everyone else had a job lined up for September after they graduate. Well, I didn't because I knew that the startup I wanted to join wasn't going to hire that far in advance. And I have to recruit at the time that I want to join. So understanding that um, and having the confidence to choose my own path and decide that what I didn't want was a regular desk job on Bay Street. I think was heavily influenced by these two programs. And I wish to give that opportunity to high school students before they even make the decision of what to study in university. Mm -hmm. Would you say that like beta camp is kind of like a high school incubator? Because I know there's a couple incubators, like I think it's DMZ or like the one that you mentioned for Queens, like university students. So in a certain sense, would this be kind of like a parallel, but high school version? Yeah, kind of. Um, I would say that most accelerators for students under like a new grad. So uh, Canada's top accelerators, Next36, which I also was part of, but I didn't actually end up doing because I wanted to get a job in Silicon Valley first. Um, But they're they're for like new grads where you're actually granted some money to start. That's actually quite seriously trying to launch companies while everyone else that's targeting an age kind of younger than I guess 22 after you graduate is more as a planting a seed of entrepreneurship other than I would say Teal Fellowship, which requires you to drop out of school. So if a fellowship requires you to drop out of school, they're very serious about like your business and their business model is to invest in you. And then that company scales and therefore you as an investor also get money from that. (laughs) That's how they run their program. That's their business model. But for high school students and for university age students, if there's an accelerator that's meant for entrepreneurship, it's really to teach the skills that come along with entrepreneurship, which is what we really care about. Because in order to be an entrepreneur, you got to know everything about a business. You have to know about the financials. You have to know about the product. You have to know about sales and marketing, how to solve a customer's problems, talking to people. Like all those skills are super important no matter what you end up going into. And you get to test all of them out. So you really decide. Um, So I think entrepreneurship as a means to learn a lot of different skills and to gain community and a network and develop this mindset and confidence that you can go out and succeed in the world. 
All right. So specifically, I guess when it comes to pitching startups at Betacamp, what kind of key factors or kind of key points are you looking for? Like, what would be the most important part? Like, what kind of elements go into it that kind of define the most successful Betacamp company? So what defines success to us Mm -hmm. is that you actually made an impact, right? That you really have customers. So financial forecasting, even at a series, maybe BC stage where you're valued at 10 million, maybe even a hundred million financial forecasts don't mean anything because if you don't have the execution, this financial, like I can pull a financial forecast out of nowhere and say that this is what's going to happen, but it's it's rarely that and investors know that and judges all know that because all our judges are investors. So first of all, financial forecast doesn't matter. How Any kind of plan moving forward that they haven't executed on doesn't matter. Um, our pitch is more of a, this is what we spent the four weeks or eight weeks, depending on which program that they're in mm-hmm. doing. Um, here's what we try, here's what we what worked, and here's how we adjusted. Um, and here's what our customers say. We wanna see real tangible action uh, because that's what building a real company is. It's not on paper. We actually don't even, we actually discourage students from writing any kind of business plan. Uh, Betacamp still doesn't have a business plan. We're writing it now, like eight months later on like what our business model strategy should be moving forward because none of that matters unless you, have you you truly have product market fit or you have a product or service that someone really wants so the whole time at beta camp it's trying to prove that and if you don't get it on the first try you need to be brave enough to try again and like pivot all right so would you say that in a certain sense it's more of like show not tell like a really big part of it is basically execution so someone can have a really good idea but it would yeah and i would say i would say that's the same later on, that's a really good life lesson that you just pointed out, like show, not tell. Um, I used to be a Houston career coach a bit. Um, and if you're, if you're an employer, right, trying to hire someone later on, let's say you're, you're right out of school now, maybe looking for your first internship, first or second year university, or just graduated as an employer. And you have two candidates. One candidate says, Oh, I'm really passionate about marketing. I took all these marketing classes. I did all these marketing conferences. Like, here's my resume. I, I really want this job. Mm-hmm. Candidate number two says, oh, I did two free internships in marketing for these companies. I got these results. Like I increased um, customer retention rate by X percent. I wrote these a blog every single month about the newest marketing strategies coming out. Like that is proof of work versus someone that um, is just kind of claiming that they're of interest. So of course, do do the conferences, do the competitions, but really try to get experience no matter how you try to do it. The easiest way is to try it yourself um, because then you can even get the free internships because free internships are hard to get uh, out of companies because the company needs to train you. And that's actually a lot of work that costs the company money. (laughs) Yeah. So in a certain sense, I guess it would be kind of the importance of instead of not only book smarts and kind of conference smarts, but also being able to have like more tangible experience that kind of works in the real life world or kind of when it comes to like in the eyes of an employer, what matters more to them is like tangible work instead of someone being able to learn from like textbooks or like from other speakers and whatnot, correct? Yeah, it's more of like proof of work and tangible mm-hmm. results show that like you actually did this thing instead of like you wrote about it and planned it, but never executed it. Mm-hmm. So someone can be like, oh, I have this giant plan, but it like, if it doesn't matter, like, can you actually go out and do that? That's really, really hard. And I think that's probably the biggest misconception on business that you get in high school because you do all these case competitions. Um, But none of that, like, if it was that easy for you to solve in like 10 minutes, then every company would be really successful. For sure. (laughs) The execution, that's Mm -hmm. really, really hard. Yeah. 
Likewise. So would it be for certain things, like, for example, what do you think is most misunderstood about the startup process? Because I think students misconceive, like, kind of have a misconception of being like, oh, case studies and all these book smarts will be able to carry me to success. So I guess when someone is looking to become or like kind of seek entrepreneurship in the future, what are some of the steps that they should take in high school instead of not only focusing on their studies, but whether like instead of just kind of packing it with extracurriculars, what are some kind of more tangible activities that they can pursue? Okay, I'll answer the first question first. So misconceptions, other than the fact that, you know, it's not going to be like a case study, it's really amazing. I think that, yeah, like actually being able to take action, some people have we call it action paralysis where you're like you just spend so long thinking and planning and like you want to get everything perfect you're like this is my exact niche this is my exact messaging whatever and then it if you don't launch it to a customer it's never going to work so all of the new founders that we bring in at the at the very beginning we bring in founders that talk about how they spent a year or six months hold up building this great product coding in their basement and then they launch and no one wants it um so the first concept we teach is the iteration cycle so you collect data from the world so insights from the world you're like oh elderly are lonely during covid oh like there's people that don't have access to mental health care even though you know mental health um therapists actually help 80% of the people overcome mental health issues. This is like an actual problem that people tackle. Mm -hmm. So there's problems that you see in the world. There's like trends that you might see, such as like cannabis has been approved or um, telehealth is getting more popular, more adopted um, or virtual like online education is really needed and teachers are really struggling. Like there's different trends that you can see as either regulatory as like technologically like 5G, Things like that are all just data points in the world that hopefully you can see as a, and everyone has access to specific insights. And the more insights that you know that other people don't know, that means that you have a higher chance of success, right? Because entrepreneurs can see what other people might not see in a problem. But firstly, really important to just find the insights and then you ideate. You think about what can I do to solve these problems instead of like, oh, I have a great idea. Why don't I build this, but not start out the insights and problem? That's a big misconception too. Um, always start with the problem and then ideate many solutions, mm -hmm. take a few to test, build an MVP, which is what we really, really emphasize. Spend one to two weeks. This is actually what people do in the startup world. You spend two weeks building something that's kind of janky and like barely works and you launch it and then you get feedback from customers and then that becomes your new insights and then you iterate again and again. So I think I talk about a lot of misconceptions here, right? Like misconception number one is starting with an idea that you have to have a really good idea. No, you have to start with like a really good problem and a really big pain point that people buy it, right? Mm -hmm. And number two is that you're supposed to like work really, really hard. Like everything in media talks about people holding up in a room and then hacking away yeah. something <laughs> and then like launching it and all of, all of a sudden like a million users. Like, no, it doesn't happen that way. It's like two weeks launch and then you adjust this product make it a little bit better or like switch and then like launch all these cycles at early stage startups this actually takes about two weeks max one month um they're called sprints and then um in a fortune 500 company as you get bigger it's harder to get everyone on board and to launch things and it might take like a few months maybe a year but these cycles do happen um and then i think last conception is that you're going to be build this one thing and then it's done. <laughs> and then every other feature that you add is done, but it's not like that, right? Because you have competitors, um, the market always changes. You're yeah. continuously iterating and improving. Um, that's why it's like, it, it is considered a career. It's a job, right? You building this product. And that's why you end up hiring people or you end up being the employee of a company because they're continuously um, improving. Okay. Next question <laughs> was the extracurriculars, mm -hmm. right? What extracurriculars do I recommend um, people do? So um, 
the the kids who finish beta camp, um, there's a few that do continue their startups. You don't need obviously to go through something like a program to launch your own startup. I totally don't believe that. Um, the benefits of a program or like anything that you invest into is it gives you accountability, right? Um, it gives you a blueprint on exactly how to do it so that you don't have to go on YouTube and More search up the videos on in random order. Like you don't know which piece of information you should be fed. Um, in what order um, and at what time, right? So it's about someone kind of showing you and then holding your hand and then making sure you move through. That's what we do at Betacamp. I would say that just go, if you can think of a product that you want to exist. Um, I know our students, some of them have just built, let's say like a productivity tracker um, using no code apps. So a lot of things you don't even need to know how to code. Go try bubble.io, go try like Notion. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't even have to build a website, like just, there's very, very minimal like code involved. Build yes. things that are meant for you. And then eventually like maybe other people will want it and then you can learn more in that area. Um, so that's, that's one build. And then the internships aspect is you need to really learn how to network. And the thing is, what's difficult for high school students is that some of you guys, like just being young, like, you don't have proof of work. And mm-hmm. for someone looking to hire, they want to see the, the more proof that you can actually do this job without too much handholding, like the better, right? So that's why there's so many employers that hire out of beta camp because we train them. Uh, we train these students for this many weeks. So we have students working for agencies in like Amsterdam, like all virtual, of course. Um, some of our camp counselors all, are all founders. So they hire as well. So I would just say like build up that work, start writing about um, the decisions that you make, like product decisions, when you launch a certain project, what you tried, what worked, what didn't work, like keeping that kind of log, I think people will be interested in your journey. And then you'll be able to show future people that future employers that look, mm-hmm. I've done all these things. And this is my proof of learning. So I won't make these same mistakes again, um, mm-hmm. when I work for you. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of finding about like finding a niche and like with especially with that problem, kind of finding a vision to work with in that problem and also kind of the importance of networking and also creating kind of like, especially in high school, I guess a log of kind of what someone has done tangibly, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you prefer if someone had like kind of a pl- like kind of plan business or kind of just go with the flow and see what kind of kind of works in the startup community, I guess? I, I really just don't believe mm-hmm. that too much planning before any action is taken <laughs> um, is ever going to work because once you start doing just one little thing, you'll realize that, oh, my whole plan just like, like you start on step number two and then you have like 20 steps. I guarantee all 18 steps just like mm-hmm. won't work anymore. So yes, have an idea of what you want to achieve, but take it one step at a time. Like you don't need to plan out everything and write out everything. Like for example, for beta camp, we just knew, okay, we want to develop this program, but we didn't actually go out and work really hard on creating this content, creating this curriculum, um, finding people until we knew that people wanted it. Right. So our, our MVP was that we launched a website. we made some posters, shared it with different forums of communities. We're like, we're going to launch a summer camp. Is this something that you're interested in? We're going to cover these things just like big concepts that we were confident that we can offer. And we called up some friends being like, Hey, can you like teach if we actually do end up launching this? They're like, yes. So we put their names and their like companies and their schools, like Stanford, Harvard, like um, Google, you know, the big names on we're like, who's interested. And then within three days, we had a WeChat group of 180 parents uh, who were interested in this program. So we're like, okay, we have a group. Someone's interested. And then you think about like, the financials of like, what do you need to charge for this to be worth it for us to do? And like, 
kind of estimate the cost. It's all like back of the napkin things, right? You don't need a financial projection. Um, mm -hmm. This actually goes back to other misconceptions is that you feel like everything that you do needs to go so far into the future. I think that gives a lot of pressure to high school students being like, what, I have to work on this like 10 years from now too? What if I want to work on something else? Guess I should never do this thing. Um, or that like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And you plan for all these alternatives, but that just is a waste of time. I think one if. understanding is that you can build different types of businesses. You can build a, a side hustle. You can build a small business. You can build a larger business and you can build a unicorn, right? All these <laughs> yeah. different levels of commitments. There's nothing holding you being like, you have to run this forever. You can stop in two years and be like, I did good for the world. At that time, I pivot into something else because I'm just interested in a different field. Um, so I think that's a big misconception. It's chill. Don't worry. Like as an entrepreneur, <laughs> you call the shots, right? You get to decide who you want to work with, what terms you want to work on, and when you want to stop. <laughs> um, that's one of the, the benefits. You're not living off of a paycheck from an employer. You, you don't have, like, there's no set rules. You make the rules. For sure. So I guess, um, what are some of the lessons that you've personally learned from, I guess, running beta camp? Mm, a lot. I'm actually coming out with a blog post. Share with you, you guys get first access, just yeah, definitely a lot. So actually everything that I just said, were all pretty much lessons that you learn in entrepreneurship, right? That you can't plan everything. Mm -hmm. So if we had planned out everything, like how many people will we accept? That's like, that's so far down the line because you have to first look at how many people apply or how many people you can even get to in the three week time that we had to even launch. So we, we couldn't have thought of, you know, how many should we accept? Should we make it a very competitive program? Should we make it more accessible? Should, how much financial aid should we like um, offer because you just don't know until every, everything comes in. So that's mm -hmm. why you just should not think about it too much because what I learned is that as time goes on, you're gonna be forced to make these decisions. Definitely. And as you're forced to make these decisions, you also think about what kind of values that you have and what kind of values that your business should then have. And I know that everyone says like, oh, think about your branding. Like what are your pillars, what brand, like, what values you stand for, what's your mission and everything. I think that all changes and that's okay. Just throw something out there that you think is it. Don't think too much about it because it will evolve. And one of the examples that I can give is that it wasn't until probably this cohort that we actually decided to articulate that we want to accept all qualified students. So sure. we're not going for the, we're super, super exclusive. There's a set number of spots because I've come to realize as I talk to parents and I talk to students and looking back at my own experience that I don't understand why in education, this is pre-career world, mm -hmm. why education cannot be fully accessible, that everyone can't start on the same starting ground. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even talking about like financially, I'm talking mm -hmm. about in the world, at least when I was a kid and I see it now, is that starting from kindergarten, the best programs, parents line up for them, they sign up early, they like, there's a one and a half year wait list for the best preschools, <laughs> um, if you're if you get into the gifted program there's only certain schools that offer the gifted program and you have to wait potentially um and private schools all have limited spots ib programs aren't offered at every school like if you want enrichment programming it's actually really hard to get if you're not that privileged and privileged being you don't have parents to actually have time or energy or the education to fight for you um that you don't get access to tutors or sat prep or whatever else privilege could get you sure. and we don't think that that's fair, especially in an mm -hmm. education level, why can't there be as many gifted spots as there are gifted students? So for us, we really want to emphasize that at beta camp, 
we decided that as long as you meet our two criteria, one is that um, you will contribute positively in a team and you show that in your application. And number two is that you have enough self-awareness and maturity and initiative that you can make the most out of the program because we do put students in front of our friends and our network and we their representation. So we don't want them to be a bad representation. And then number two, we don't want them to be a negative contributor to a team um, and then ruin the experience for other students. But as long as you meet those things and then you show that you're interested in and see value in the program, then we don't see why we can't provide value to that. And that kind of scarcity thing is, it's quite controversial, right? Because no one does that kind of business play because being competitive, people are like, yes, I want to be part of this program. It's like exclusivity. And that's what drives parents and students to apply. But we decided to kind of let go of that. I think we couldn't have predicted micro learning. We couldn't have predicted like how we change like a six week program to a 12 week program. That's something that we learned. Like how do we leverage technology and education systems to create a program where we actually can intake a lot of students which is kind of like the mass open courses that are online, but also provide one-on-one and very personalized experience. So how we do that is students watch asynchronous lectures like micro lessons. We can workshop leader, there's one or an assistant, so one or two. And then as students break out into breakout rooms, we get facilitators in a one to max like 10 Um, students. So the actual learning experience is very personalized. I think we leverage technology really, really well. Um, And then students also get group guidance every week in a one to five or one to six sort of experience. So no matter how many kids that we have in the program, the experience will still be the same because the interactive parts of it will always be in really small groups with a facilitator. Not like hiring um, third-party agencies without knowing like exactly what you want. Like you need to, you can't skimp out (laughs) on Um, certain expertise like Facebook, ad marketing, content, copy, building a website, design work, et cetera. We always try to find the most value, but most value means that you have to do more work on top or you hire someone that's significantly more expensive and then they can take it off your hands. But I didn't really, this is something that I learned is that um, there's a reason why things are cheap (laughs) and it's quality is not as good or like you have to really spend a lot of effort Mm -hmm. and time with them while if they're more expensive, they provide the value. And I think that's for everything. <laughs> it's like finding the right middlemen or the right intermediate to work with and make sure that they provide like the value that they serve or like they yeah. are- Honestly, it's really hard to tell, but just know what you're getting yourself into. So always just know what you want. So as an example, we just got our website redone. We haven't launched it yet, but what I wanted and the people that I was, my friends are all very high end. So, but they would do everything. They would do the branding. They would tell us what they thought would work well in the structure of the website and the design, right? But I was like, okay, no, this is like, I can't spend $10,000 on a website. So then I went on Fiverr and hired a $50 guy, which is like multiples cheaper. But then this guy like had no creative direction. And I didn't come prepared with a creative direction. And the timing of this was only eight days. So during these eight days, like now I have to buy on more add-ons because I still have changes for him to do in the eight days of the past. So just know what the scope is beforehand and come prepared. Always like you're the best person to know everything about your business. So you should at least have an idea, the first draft of everything that you do. And then they hopefully just make it better. Mm -hmm. So I think specifically, I guess, within their like beta camper startups, what would you say is the importance of, I guess, teamwork? Really, really important. 
I didn't know until more recently that a lot of teams hadn't done that many group projects yet or to the level of intensity that is required of launching a startup. So this is actually the very first time. Um, so managing, so first of all, to start, we, we have seen that the most successful startups are the ones where everyone on the team loves each other. Um, and team is the biggest, biggest determinant of how well you do at Betacamp and also how well you do as a business. Because if you go online and go to any VC firm, and most VC firms have at least a blog on why startups fail. And the first reason is either team or that they just didn't find product market fit. So customers didn't want their product. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of other reasons like ran out of money and whatever. Those are like actually lesser. So we really, really think that teamwork's really important. That's why we host weekly socials and team building activities as well during the week. Mm -hmm. um, but really, really interesting of an experience to work with strangers to start, pretty much strangers that you've known for about two weeks, mm -hmm. come up with an idea and under like very stressful situations under a timeline, manage mm -hmm. conflict resolution when you don't agree. A lot of really ambitious students in one room trying to make something happen. Definitely a lot of disagreements. So I think that's a huge learning experience. So would you recommend people to maybe apply with friends or would you put them in a team together to maybe soften some stuff out? Yeah, so we definitely um, have students that do apply with friends. Um, we, we even have twin sisters in our program last cohort, but the twin sisters didn't want to work with each other okay. or like they selected different teams later on. So how, how we, this has shifted cohort to cohort in the summer, we just allow them to pick one or two people after two weeks. Um, and after I think three socials, so they, and, and a lot of interactive breakout rooms. So they did meet a lot of people and we encourage students to take the two weeks, message people on Slack, set up individual chat rooms to like meet more people. And they do mm -hmm. do that. But before we used to choose most of the team. So last time we allowed people to select their full team or part of their team. But this round in the spring, we might just allow students to select their full team. And then if you're, if you didn't select, then you'll be put with other people that didn't select. <laughs> so we want to give people the pressure as well as the responsibility to kind of choose their own fate because your team really determines the whole experience moving forward. We, we try to make it really, really easy and facilitate as many meetings as possible. So this time we're even hosting a social before the start of the program. Mm -hmm. But leader just means that you're responsible for to make sure everyone does what they're supposed to do. That's more of a leader-like position yeah. where they take more responsibility mm -hmm. of ushering everyone else. <laughs> for sure. I would say, where would you see your organization in five to 10 years? But you've already mentioned that it's kind of like, as you go along, every modifications will be made. So what do you think is the kind of like, when should someone strike or kind of make changes like when they realize, oh, maybe this didn't work for this cohort, but it might work for the next one? Like what would be considered kind of, kind of, I guess, the evaluation or the assessment chart for like what's a hit or miss? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I, I would like to answer the five-year thing. Ideal, I can say what we ideally are aiming for. We're trying to expand into a different time zone for the summer. So we're going to launch an Asia cohort. For us, we want to become more of a global company. Um, we want to be able to launch like multiple different products lines. So right now we only have one program. It's the same program, even yeah. though it's 12 weeks, six weeks, but we've had a lot of interest from university students. We have interest from younger students. Um, we have interest for a longer program, a more condensed, like sh not condensed, like a lighter, shorter program that's more personal development heavy or other skills heavy. There's a lot of things that we could be doing. Those are all different ways of growth. But then, yeah, that, that like goes right into your last question of when do we make changes at all? So we, it, it honestly depends, right? So this, this is how it works at a startup. You usually have a chart of um, impact versus effort kind of graph. And you have brainstorming sessions set at certain times. So we do brainstorming sessions every like 
cohort, like pre every cohort, where we like kind of just almost start from scratch to reimagine a program. And then we see like, if this is now our ideal program, what is worth changing of what, how we're currently running things sure. that is actually, that we can actually accomplish, right? And what are things that we're like, okay, it's like a three month, like a midterm goal for the next cohort. And what do we have to adjust for this cohort in order to build up to that change in the next cohort? Um, how we actually collect all these things. So, so that's one, that's like the brainstorm session. Mm -hmm. But then we also collect um, feedback after every single week because we ask for feedback. We ask for like everything because that determines whether we cut some things, whether we like put in more of something, um, what they like, what they didn't like about a certain session of like, oh, there was too few breaks um, or like this, this part went too long or I would prefer this. Like kids have really good ideas. Um, so that we discuss every single week. So we have um, a member of our team that reads through this compiles them to main like categories and brings out here are these things and every week we have them present three improvement ideas not all of them that can be implemented immediately but that goes into a database um, and we bring that out again during our brainstorming session but we go through every week of those three we're like what can we actually implement now if none then that's okay too but if we yeah. can then we implement it right away so it's like a process and a not ritual I would say just a process that you develop and it's different for every company but almost every company at least has like a quarterly monthly some kind of like brain dump time where everyone comes in, brainstorms all kinds of changes and ideas, puts them into categories and then implements it effort and uh, impact. So if it's high impact and low effort, you wanna implement it, right? But if it's high effort and low impact, then that's like, we're just never gonna do that. <laughs> Um, so it's about ranking those ideas. Yeah. Have you ever regretted throwing two people in the same team? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not, we're trying to take less and less responsibility yeah. for that because that's why we're like, you're going to handle your whole team now <laughs> instead of us. There, there are, but it's not necessarily like those two people. It's like some team dynamics just don't work mm -hmm. as well. So now what we do at the beginning of camp on the second week of camp, we run a MBTI session. So Myers-Briggs. Oh, you know? the personality test. Yeah. So everyone does that test. And then we actually have a camp counselor who is a manager at a management consulting firm, um, I believe Harvard, Harvard alumni, come in and talk about like what it actually means like to be an introvert working with an extrovert, what it means to be a um, J versus a P. And we have a lot of different exercises to show how a group of P's interact very differently than a group of J's. Um, so it's like a real, it's one of the top favorite workshops. Um, and I think <laughs> everyone learns a lot about themselves. And then so knowing that everyone puts their Myers-Briggs into their Slack name. And then awesome. so as they talk with each other, they can better choose who they think they'll, they'll go along with. And we're, we say that like in a team, you definitely need introverts and extroverts. You need J's wow. and P's. You definitely need balance, but also like, you don't want someone like too opposite of you, like exact opposite that you need someone in between, right? You, don't, you can't have like three polar opposites of each other. Um, so that also helps. Um, and also for us to assign the, the people who didn't choose their full team or the people who didn't choose at all, we can at least slot them um, into the right team. So we were already making these adjustments. So these are just things that we learn over time because we didn't do that for the summer cohort. Got it. Fleet, what are the impacts or contributions do you think future, future generations or beta campers can make in this sector? Of like startups. Mm. I mean, the future is really just in the hands yeah. of our youth. So pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. um, what I think Betacamp's approach uh, is different than some other enrichment programs of similar like caliber. Mm -hmm. How do we engage high school students better? How do we actually get be better results? I think it's as the industry and the space grows, 
um, we all flourish because as teens start looking more into developing themselves in this area and using these resources, um, we all benefit, right? So, and for us, we're more shifted in business focus. Like we're like, we don't care what you do right now. We just want you to launch something within your sphere of influence. Meaning that we care most about action takers, like just do something because even though your sphere of influence might be really small, even though you might only know your demographic of teens, having that experience of doing something um, will let you launch better in the future, right? Because you already went through all of the emotions of building a business that when you learn more and you know what you want to learn more of, then you're going to be able to do something better. So, so I think like, like yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like growth and progress and kind of a lot of experimentation that goes into it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So these skills, and we just think that, you know, in the entrepreneurship space, if teens can get access to all these different fields um, and then go through the motions right now because you don't know a lot, just launching a smaller company, but wrapped in modern technology, like no code, for example, or better operation systems. Um, then later on, when you develop more, you go through, you, you do the same steps of building a startup, right? And then you can launch a bigger and better one. So as I mentioned at the beginning of podcast, it's about planting <laughs> seed of mindset and entrepreneurship. Okay. Actually, last one. Why become a beta camper? Yeah. So hopefully I've already like talked a lot about mm. one of the the benefits. But as I said, you can launch a startup on your own. And I really, really suggest that everyone does that. What Betacamp gives you is access to people to help you, a blueprint, like the exact roadmap on how to go from zero to one, um, which might take you much longer to find, and also the accountability to actually go out and do it. So that falls under like the support that we give on the entrepreneurship side. But also because you'll have access to all these different people and ideas, hopefully that helps you determine what you want to do as a future career. Because you're going to meet UX designers, you're going to meet product managers, you're going to meet CEOs of newsletter-based companies that make millions of dollars. And all that will inspire our students to choose a more meaningful career path for them. And like people like me, I'm a location independent entrepreneur. I want to be global. And that's like a possibility, it, like even more of a possibility for your generation, because you get to choose where you want to live, when you want to be there and to live in multiple places at once and not live the life that maybe your parents think would be possible yeah. for you. And that's one of my main motivators. Um, yeah. So clarity on what your future, a community of like-minded people, and then the skills that will make you successful no matter what you go all into. All your links. And I believe you can find Betacamp at beta.camp. They have their yeah. website in the bio. They have a lot of good videos. I've been following you guys for a while, actually. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, like all of our links are <laughs> beta.camp. So our website's www.beta.camp. Our Instagram is beta.camp. We just started a TikTok that's also beta.camp. Just search beta.camp and you'll find us. <laughs>